Hey everybody, Dave Lindbergh in Hong Kong with another episode of the uh, THD podcast. Our website is live now, so everybody can go to totalharmonicdiscussion.com and check out what's been going on. And today's guest is a company out of Irvine, California named Sintient that does a neural decision processor. So we're going to find out about that. But as always, our co-host in Sendai, Japan, Mr. Simon Weston. How are you doing today, Simon? Really good today, Dave. We're talking wake words, I think, aren't we? Wake words and uh, wake word on the edge is kind of like uh, what it's all about. So Mr. Dave Garrett in Irvine, California. How are you doing today, Dave? Hey, doing really well. How are yourself? Doing well, thank you. So, yeah, Sentient's been kind of bubbling under for a little while. Um, the concept of, of, of talking to your devices has been around for a little while, but then talking to battery-powered devices has been a challenge um, because of the, what the processors that are available to be listening that are out there. So maybe we could start a bit with an introduction on uh, Sentient to find out... Uh, what it is that they're offering for this audio market. Yeah, no, I think that's an awesome. So let me, I'll share a set of slides. My name is Dave Garrett. Uh, I'm a VP of hardware at Sentient. So, you know, my team's, they, we build the silicon, you know, that forms the core of uh, Sentient's solution. So we'll uh, walk through the company and then we can take a deep dive into a couple of the chips that we have that are available. Sure. You know, the, so the idea behind Sentient really, it's more like the intelligence of things instead of the internet of things. So, I mean, I think the basic premise is AI is so good at so many domains. And what we're trying to do is just put substantial amount of AI at the edge. So instead of, you know, dumb devices and just connecting things, I mean, we're trying to put significant compute at the edge and do that with, you know, out affecting your battery life and without affecting you know, the ability for you to run billions of these little endpoints out there. Okay. You know, there's all kinds of things. Why do I want to compute at the edge? And, you know, the cloud has taken over the last, say, 20 years. And you say, hey, I can just put everything in the cloud. Everything can do would be done in the cloud. Well, you know, there's a couple of things that you look at. We say, first off, privacy. Do you really want all of your data wrapping up to the cloud? So we, you know, with processing at the edge, we're trying not to move those things around in, in the internet. We can intercept that, you know, we can wait for words to be said and then not be, you know, always listening, but not always forwarding your conversations. Right. We have the reliability and the license, you know, responsiveness too. I mean, I don't know if your viewers have seen this privacy issue, but it's, it seems a big deal right now. Mm -hmm. And then of course, obviously battery life. Anytime you want to move into a mobile device, you know, we only have a certain amount of energy. You can't carry around that much energy. The battery technology hasn't changed all that much you know, since, since, you know, say the last 10 years. It's a relatively flat curve, and we're trying to put more and more processing at the edge. Right. Okay. So, I mean, this is a background sentient. I mean, at this point now, we're over 70 employees. Um, you know, it's a pretty neat company. So the median experience is over 20 years in the semiconductor space. Um, you know, anyone about knows about statistics, mean, average, whatever. The median means we have a lot of very experienced people. And then on top of that, we have a lot of very good, smart junior engineers that we can guide. And that, I mean, that's the strategy between, you know, behind startups is you usually need people that have um, 
you know, attempted and failed at things, worked at big companies, understand the processes, yet now understand how to move quickly and, and, and move agilely in a startup. So I think we've got this great mix of you know, pretty seasoned uh, experts and then, you know, the raw horsepower from the ML and the software teams to go attack these problems. Okay. Um, you know, key investors, I mean, we've got some, you know, pretty good people on our cap table here. So Intel Capital and Microsoft Venture Fund, um, Amazon yeah. Alexa Fund and Bosch, and there's some pretty good names and, and big support for us, you know, behind those names. Yeah, at Atlantic Bridge, where they came in in the last round? Yeah, and we, so that we just closed our Series C, you know, last year in 2020, and Atlantic Bridge is a financial VC. So that's also a good, good indication. So people also interested in that. Right. Okay. You know, Applied Materials also in Bosch. I mean, Bosch from the sensor side and you know, Applied Materials is just, you know, they move so much of the semiconductor world. So these are, these are, these are big help. Yeah, key allies. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the good news about Sintian is, you know, we had our first production order. So the company's been around since 2017 and the orders were 2019. So I think in the semiconductor space, that's, a, you know, I haven't seen yeah. it done faster. Maybe it's that's, out there. I'm not sure. That's outrageously fast, to be honest. Right, right. Yeah. And so, you know, we crossed from production orders. I mean, we just in January this year, I mean, we shipped 10 million units. And so, you know, at this point, I mean, AI, ML at the edge. I mean, I think we've got to have the, you know, the total shipments. We've got to probably have the record at this point. Okay. And, uh, we're pretty excited about that. Picked up lots of awards. You know, it's uh, you know it's been a crazy three-year run. Yeah. All right. Um, you know, a couple of things in you know twenty twenty-one. We already touched on the ten million units shipped. You know, we crossed that. I mean, right in January. Um, we've been you know the reason we're discussing today. We've just kicked off our new chipset, the NDP one twenty, and so you know that's 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 what we'll talk about a lot near the end of this call. We've already gotten, you know, picked up a CES Innovation Award in 2021 for that part. And, you know, that just extends our record for two years in a row. Our previous part, we had CES Award last year as well. Yep. So exciting. So we talk about, you know, the user interface and, you know, voice and audio has really kind of taken this huge upswing as of late. And, you know, we kind of look at the interface, like why is voice important? When you chart how we've interacted with our compute machines, of, you know, you go way back, I don't know if you've ever touched one of these old IBM machines, but, you know, it's the keyboard was this, oh, you know, I can teletype keyboard is how I interface with my computer. Yeah. And then at some point we moved into the mouse, you know, it's all of a sudden this, this additional pointing device and you're like, oh my God, it's, you know, graphics and it bought this new angle. Yeah. The touch screen shows up and next thing you know, you know, you swipe your screen and things like that. But what we've really, really seen lately is intelligent voice is what's taking over and everybody is going to interact with, you know, voice is going to be your primary interface. Yeah. And it, uh, it seems know. it seems like the acceleration of the adoption of a new UI is it's just like a hockey stick because, you know, touch came out in 78 with ELO was, I think the first guys to do it with resistive touch. And right. it took a long time to become commoditized, but intelligent voice is literally, I, I, I don't know when, when do we know when that first came out intelligent voice and now it's commoditized. Yeah. I, I, you know, 
it hasn't been all that long, I tell you. And probably yeah. done, you know, done early, but not done well. Right. Uh, you know, there's an echo and there's a Siri in everyone's hands today. And you can talk to your Google, you know, Android phones. I mean, it's really just ubiquitous. Right. And, you know, kids these days, I mean, that's the, the foundation of Cynthia is Kurt was watching his kids interact with their their, their, you know, their devices with voice and, you know, voice chat and voice, even text. Like, I don't even want to type out a text. I'll, I'll say it to my phone. <laughs> yeah. And I, I noticed the Google is so much better than than the Apple in terms of the, the text to voice to text recognition. And that's that's to do with libraries. And I'm sure we're going to get into that a bit later here. Uh, machine learning is all about training data. So if yeah. you have billions of instances, you know, it's a it's a you know, that's an advantage. Cool. And, then, you know, like to, to, to walk through intelligent voice I mean, we're kind of going through a same kind of scale is. You know, at the low end, when we think of AI at the edge, I mean, we can look at sensors and events and wake words, but then you start moving up. I'm not just waiting for a single word. I'm waiting for command words. So you string together, you know, some wake up and then, hey, an action. Do I want volume up, volume down? You know, that's our evolution of thinking of of voice as an interface. Yeah. Um, And that's, that's really kind of, for our audience, putting that voice control onto true wireless stereo earbuds really low power things that uh, you can talk to, but then talk to in noisy environments, like on the metro system here in Hong Kong, are you going to be able to hear that? And so that's where the real, real fancy technology comes out to be able to distinguish with a heavy noise floor. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, like, honestly, with my earbuds, do I have to tap three times to reject a call or whatever? I never can remember the, (laughs) you know, the command sequence, like, I don't know, three taps. Does that make sense to me? I mean, probably you could learn it, but in much more natural language. Hey, let's just let's figure out you know, how to how to talk to these devices. It's really right. kind of you know changing the game. Cool. But you know, as you move up in neural compute, there's all kinds of things that you know we're going to be able to fit into an you know an earbud, a TWS earbud. I mean, speaker identification. Let's not just let you know anyone say these words. Let's make sure we know who's who's allowed to say these. Speaker validation. Right. Um, you know, the holy grail. And, you know, this is along our trajectory. Conversational speech is let, let's think even more natural. Let's not, you know, let's not form a you know, command and a word. And let's 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 people have conversational speech. So certainly that's that's on our evolution as a company to really be, you know, at all levels. So what power you're willing to spend, you know, that'll give the performance that we're allowed to attack. Okay. But again, I you know preaching to the choir. I think you guys are already bought in and voice, so this is uh, <laughs> this is good stuff. You know, we we you know sentient markets. I mean, we're attacking in, you know design wins and design ends all over the place. But we have kind of if you look at the two columns on the on the mobile side, I mean, we're in feature phones and smartphones. And, you know, there's some pretty cool things where you know just not draining the battery allowing you know sentient to be the, the front end gateway for wake words is it's pretty powerful you know we're even in laptops um, you know to provide some you know voice interface um, the iot side is is you know the interesting part as well is because where the volume is really really high is wearables and earbuds are these great opportunity yeah um, you know the virtual is what's that yeah connected home like light bulbs right like- eliminate the light switch the amount of copper you'd save in the wall if you could just say on and off i mean it's it's incredible yeah. that's right and I, you know you built 
these little earbuds, you, you're surprised how much these buttons cost. And then, you know, even, you know, putting a cap on an earbud with a capacitive touch wire is another, you know, switch that has to go into the, the, the form factor. So getting rid of all of those little, even little things on mm. all of the devices in your home are just aggregate add up. It adds up for savings. Right. Okay. But I mean, again, you can see always on deep learning, that's a strategy for battery powered devices. I mean, we're trying to give you this compute that exists and do it in such a way that it's going to enable the use cases. Uh, I couldn't possibly put this compute before because it wasn't efficient enough. And so, you know, we try and drive power down. The next thing you know, if you have a power budget, maybe we can give you 10x the compute. You all of a sudden build a form factor or a use case, which is more powerful. Right. Yeah, and th like the use cases are quite varied too. I mean, just living over in Asia here, there's always a security guard in the building and you just think of the classic sleeping security guard. But for industrial IoT, there's a lot of sensors that can go into things to detect. Is And, and with the learning, it can go, is that a window breaking or not? That's kind of a classic thing. And also it, it, like another one was a gunshot to detect mm, a gunshot. Yeah. And and so all these things in in you know kind of police force and security force for the industrial section is is pretty powerful yeah yeah absolutely and again you know i tell you that you know you touched on that so you know the great thing about machine learning right is it's just this new way to think about attacking problems and um, you know going to the academic papers i mean there's 20, 30 years of research on how to look at, you know, analyze voice and find words and all these traditional methods. And in, you know, the span of five years, machine learning has just upended all of the results and bested every single result by some, you know, master student <laughs> could train a network to do better than what somebody used to have their specialty. And, you know, that, that that's kind of how we structure our solutions in our company is we really think of you know, three pillars of deep learning, and it's not just having the best silicon. So we certainly, that's the way we can lock in, you know, our inference at the edge. But at the same time, we actually have to deal with, you know, the pipeline and the data. So we train, you know, words for customers. We have the ability to go acquire, you know, the 50,000 utterances in the dialects and the, and the language that you need and feed that in to our machine learning pipelines. So, you know, we, you know, it's not just that easy to go build production machine learning solutions because you really are doing all kinds of really cool stuff behind the scenes where we'll train words with augmentation, like, you know, reverb of rooms. And we can add, you know, NPR news is one of the, you know, the things when you go for Alexa certification. So we can train with you know, radio noise and you could go into Hong Kong and train with the background noise of the train. And now you've taught this machine learning thing to listen and understand it. Oh, okay. This is noisy. This is what a train sounds like, but this is still the words I'm looking for. Right. Yeah. It's all about that data to, to be accurate. Right. So, you know, again, not it's, you know, there's, there's providers that you can just get inference at the edge, but as long as you don't have the data or the pipeline or the solutions to do that, and, you know, we try and put all three under the same banner. You know, that's what you can do as a startup. We don't get these silos that separate, um, you know, the domains. And, and it really gets us a chance for our silicon hardware engineers to talk with our ML team and, and collaborate on these, these three platforms. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, 
this is, um, you know, the first product they went out, the NDP 100. I mean, 10 million units out the door now. And it's, um, you know, you look at the block diagram, it's really not all that complicated of a chip, right? The idea behind it is as quick as we can, we get audio from, you know, a microphone or an I2S interface. And we quickly get that into feature extraction. And so this is a way to compress the information. So we're, we're looking at, you know, log Melvin's analysis of audio, but really the goal is to dump this into this deep neural network. And that, that's it. I mean, the chip is building a half a million parameter neural network. And the, and the idea is train that to look for wake words and command words. And it's interesting in that our job is to intercept almost all of that and let the system think that nothing's happening, go to sleep and let us fire and interrupt and say, hey, you know what? Now I'm pretty confident something significant has happened and you should take a look at it. So it just is there a way to, to simplify like the deep neural network so people understand that like say there's a vowel or some kind of element of, of a noise that's created passing through this and it's trying to verify is that a, a yes, no. So there's a logic going on there. Um, and is it, is it a culmination? It's like say you, you, you utter the word Alexa. Is it a culmination of all those elements of the word that it defines through this TensorFlow type uh, ML learning stuff? No, it's a, it's an interesting question. And, and like phonemes, you know, like people, like all these language recognition, you try and break things down into individual sounds. Mm -hmm. Here is the magic of machine learning. We don't care or don't know, honestly, what's happening on some of these internal nodes of this neural network is we, you know, we hammer this network in training with millions and millions of utterances of the word Alexa. And we mm -hmm. ask it at the end and say, you know what? This was Alexa. Um, this is not Alexa. Over and over again, we just train this thing. And in the end, the machine is finding the patterns. And, you know, it's not saying, you know, it's, it's an A and there's an X and, you know, it's not doing that. I mean, it really is finding some bizarre structures out of all of the noise and all the reverb and everything that you hammer. It, it's finding the word. And that's the magic. It's actually doing a better job than you and I could ever, you know, do by trying to sit down and analyze it on paper. So is that is that kind of the core difference between an NDP processor and a microcontroller-based wake word system? As I understand, the microcontrollers are comparing their library of utterances. So if you say Alexa, it will go and compare to that library, and that's that costs costs a lot of power to do that, and so your your words are just flowing through your network, and it comes out with uh, with the decision at the end, without Definitely. having to do that reference back and forth to memory. Is that in a in a? I'm trying I'm trying to condense like uh, what the power savings is coming from. Yeah, I mean, again, so we you know it's a custom architecture. I mean, this deep neural network really does not. It doesn't load programs. You can't go run arbitrary C code on it. I mean, it is really just dedicated for attacking machine learning. And so the, the main difference you'd say between us and say a microcontroller is just the sheer amount of compute that we can put towards neural. So we're, you know, we can put half a million parameter network on this device and it allows us to do exactly that, train these types of networks. And, you know, we've put this device through Alexa certification for close talk. So, you know, that's a pretty tough spec. And it says, 
you know, you have to pass something like three false accepts in 24 hours. So there's background noise and things like that. You're not allowed to classify a word more than three times. That's a tough, tough thing to do. There's a lot of the front end, you know, voice networks have a permissive front end. So they have a, you know, an MCU and it's kind of very small. It's a small neural network and it, it wakes up. It false accepts a lot, you know, not all the time, but it's really permissive. And what happens is you have up with a second stage and you have to cascade these solutions. You know, our goal is to say, let's throw as much power as we can as early as possible and make sure that when we tell you something, it's actually what's happening. Okay. But you can see, look at it. I mean, that's the device. That's the picture on the, you know, the top right. I mean, that is, um, tiny. You know, we, we have our famous picture with Abe's beard on a, on a penny. I mean, it's 1.4 by 1.8. So, I mean, there's not a place that we can't drop this device into. You know, it's on the margins of a SOC and there's sometimes decoupling that's bigger than our device. Yeah, yeah. So just a reference there for everybody that's uh, Abe Lincoln on the American Penny. Is there's a there's a picture <laughs> if you go to the Sentient website, everybody. That's right. Yeah, that's right. And, and you know, again, what comes with this is just an enormous power advantage. You know, the density of our solution, and you know, we're winning on all of power cost and you know the form factor. It's you know, it's been really an outstanding, you know, crazy thing. And what we look at is, like I said always on power running this half a million parameter neural network all in 140 mic microwatts on our supply. So that, that gets us our audio codec feature extraction and we're running, you know, active uh, wake words through the neural network. And, you know, there's some neat things, um, you know, we're a spy connected peripheral and we're going to tell you fire that interrupt when something happens. Um, on board, we have a holding tank. So we have, you know, the last three seconds of audio that's happened. And it lets the system, you know, essentially act like it's always been there. So you have a very expensive Bluetooth connection, right? These, these chips, you know, 10 milliamps or whatever to get a Bluetooth live connection. We keep that completely shut down in your earbuds and wait for us to say something. And then when it happens, you can say, oh, no, okay, here's what the last three seconds of audio and it can act like the connection was always there. So, you know, we even provide this always on experience, but you can keep almost the whole system shut down with that. Yeah, that's very cool. The economizing the RF uh, is is that that's what burns these little Bluetooth and, and Wi-Fi devices. Yeah, that's right. I mean, the minute you turn on that radio, you got to get it off, and, and that's our job. Cool. But again, you know, these I mean, the you know, Bluetooth they've set up for you know a couple hours of talk time, but you know, twenty four hours, you don't want this thing draining. You know, while you know, you know you're waiting for the moment that you have to make that important voice call. The battery's dead at that point, you know, then it, it's a miserable experience. Yeah, right. Okay. So, so good. I mean, I mean, this is our 100. So what we call, we call this our sentient core one technology. It's like our, you know, our first generation neural network. And it's all about this, um, you know, half a million parameter fully connected network. And it really, we can train it to do some amazing things. Um, you know, what's on the market today, the, the, our newest product announcement, if this is the NDB 120, and we're really moving, you know, into a much, much more powerful piece of silicon for inference at the edge. And, you know, essentially sentient core two is, is, you know, my teams and the, and the ML teams have worked together to develop a, a neural decision processor, which is much more powerful. Okay. And as I understand it, this is the one that's really 
targeted for the audio uh, audio community in terms of it's adding some functionality of acoustic echo cancellation capability and things like this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So like, you know, three main things that we've done on this device, you know, in, in you know, look, I mean, we talked to hundreds of customers and we learned a lot with the 100. I mean, that's still going to be an amazing part for when power is absolutely, you know, has to be the minimum. But with the 120, I mean, we really have, you know, we've beefed up our audio side. So on the top left corner here, I mean, we have dual channel audio inputs so we can handle PD, uh, PDM microphones, um, I2S, TDM streaming, um, and we have a couple more channels. So four, you know, four microphone support, four channel I2S, you know, we can actually be listening to two microphones and receiving a reference, you know, playback stream on a second I2S stream. And that enables us to, you know, this acoustic echo cancellation in the smart speaker, we can be canceling what's being played out through the stereo, um, still be actively listening to the microphones and provide them. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. Right. It's pretty neat. And, you know, again, we've seen that in the 100 because we only have, you know, three wire interface. This, you know, can, can plumb into an earbud like an ANC function. If someone has a high performance analog ANC, you can still feed that to our device and we can be doing, you know, some of the speech processing and some of the later processing in this device. Okay. So, so with that, just let, let me try to dumb this down. So that means that you could be using one path to pick up kind of, let's say, some of the defects of the speaker that's pushing out the sound while still maintaining the other input to hear for the wake words or commu- or, the, or the voice that it's looking for. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Exactly right. And this is all, you know, this is all set up. These are all DMA. I mean, the audio is automatically flowing through the system. You know, the second main piece is we've thrown in, we have a Hi-Fi 3 DSP. So this is really what is enabling us to go attack audio and, and give us the flexibility to put in more, you know, structured DSP type code. And so, you know, the Hi-Fi 3, they're really good DSP at attacking these data path problems. So if I want to do acoustic echo cancellation, you know, there's filters and there's all kinds of spectral analysis. I mean, these are, the DSP is really good at that. The and it, big piece though, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, and it's still able to maintain the low power threshold because that's kind of one of the issues, uh, I think, with the 100 is that you add the DSP and then your, your power, uh, power balance in the whole circuit kind of falls off. Yeah, that's right. And I'll show you what's what's fascinating. I mean, this is the you know again the big piece. I mean, we are really all in with neural compute. The Sentient Core Two is our neural compute engine, and so this is the, the the part that's really powerful. So our goal fundamentally is to get audio in, let the hi-fi do some of the you know the data path and structured and filtering problems. But as soon as possible, we're running stuff in the neural engine, and so we can do things like you know look look for the acoustic environment, you know, to understand how we would chain and tune the filters in the system. You know, we can do, you know, multiple mics into the, you know, the, the Sentient Core 2 to look for wake words, right? So that the wake word engine could be, you know, with spatial information. It's all kinds of really neat things. Like we could even, you know, there's all kinds of neural based speech enhancement where, you know, a trained neural network can do a much better job of analyzing the, the audio scenes and provide some coefficients back to the DSP for cleanup. Okay. 
So you look at it, pretty flexible, much bigger device. I mean, we've added some of the peripherals like an I2C controller and target. And so, you know, this is a type of thing where in earbud, you know, we could be doing sensor fusion because, you know, we, we again, we don't honestly care what is running in the neural network. Our neural network is just as happy to learn audio and motion and do some kind of joint solution. Okay, bone conduction, you know, this is in the ear and there's a lot of background noise, but I'm picking up the, you know, the person's voice. You could do things like that to, you know, even come up with a better outcome on even wake work. Right, right. Yeah, wind noise or other kind of issues. Like, again, back to being on the, the metro. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and then, I mean, again, this is uh, where we talk about, you know, machine learning is, you know, what, what kind of correlations are there? And you and I don't, we can't see those. This machine with enough training data can see some pretty amazing patterns. Oh, okay. But, you know, again, so I take this thing, and this is roughly 25x the compute of a 100 device. I mean, if you really want to pour on, the, you know, the performance and really run this thing, we have a lot of power on this. It's, you know, close to 7 million parameters of you know, neural, neural parameters on this device if you push it to the one bit weights. But we have the flexibility, one, two, four, eight bit parameters. You know, we can have flexibility in the types of neural networks that run on this device. Um, and then what's more exciting, like what really gets the machine learning teams here and our you know, customers that we talk to, you know, we've added things like fully connected convolutional networks RNNs, LSTMs, these are, you know, some of these recurrent neural networks that have time history are really good at some of these audio problems. So as opposed to just training uh, you know, Cintiq Core 1, you can port your favorite networks. You know, we're supporting all the types of the, the base components of, of machine learning that allows us to really do some really neat, you know, vastly different architectures. So does that mean if people are doing their machine learning modeling on these different platforms, it could translate into your device? Yeah, that's okay. right. Okay. Yeah. And then so, we, you know, we're not, you know, we, we certainly are machine learning experts. We're developing our own solutions. But at any point, you know, we can work with vendors. And, hey, if you have a good neural algorithm, we're happy, you know, to open this up and, and put this on here. You know, particular, you know, speech enhancement network, where, you know, it's, it's, it's open to map to our network. Okay, and that's cool. it's pretty neat. I mean, this is the the key thing is, you know, the, the machine learning frameworks, again, like in the old days, you'd have to pay, you know, thousands, if not tens of thousands of dollars for all this software. And, and the way machine learning has flipped it on the end, it's all open source. Like, here's the frameworks. It's the training data. That's the key thing. So, you know, we're able to support these open source frameworks and let customers train their own networks. Um, you know, what's really cool about the way that we designed this, we designed it so that the chip teams, I mean, we manage every single bit. We're moving only the things that need to, but we present it as, um, you know, atomic layers. So in the, in the case of an ML scientist, when they're in TensorFlow and training the networks that they want to use, that's going to embed right onto our device. So they're going to know the characteristics, the speed, the, the power of their solution well before it hits our silicon. And I think that's another difference, like a program, stored program kind of DSP, MCU machine, you're running a compiler and you're running over and over again, is it fitting? Am I missing my timing budgets? Like there's a lot of hard work that we can avoid by the way we've, we've hardened this device. Okay, very cool.
So a couple, yeah, of, questions, you know, uh, a couple yeah, of questions from me. Sorry, David, you mentioned TensorFlow a little bit. I'm not familiar with the term. Could you explain that? Yeah, so, I mean, you know, TensorFlow is one of the frameworks out there that allows you to train machine learning. So there's, you know, some, um, you know, neat things. So you have to collect all this data and you, and you construct a neural network and then you're hammering it with this training data. And you're just saying, yes, this is what I want. This is the right word. No, this is not. And through those millions of training epochs, you know, the neural network starts to solidify parameters that lets it decide what, it, what you want it to do. Okay, so you start with some uh, uh, some inputs and you know in advance what the output is supposed to be. Yeah. yeah. And, so and you tell it, hey, this is correct. I'm going to give you this input, right? This is this is an, a, a WAV file with Alexa. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to tell you this is Alexa. So when you run it through the network, it reinforces that outcome. It says, oh, yeah, you know what? That is Alexa. Why? And the machine has some training that says, why is that Alexa? Oh, I can I can see that. You're doing that millions of times. Yep. And then you're doing it with, this is not Alexa. So you do background noise and you say, look, hey, I'm going to send this to you. Guess what? Don't trigger on this. Right. And, right. It, and it's just, it's just an amazing thing. You know, gradient descent algorithms and these uh, backpropagation through very complicated linear algebra and nonlinear math mm -hmm. that's supported in these frameworks. So we, you know, you know, it's it's an amazing you know built on the shoulders of giants. So this yeah, you know, these yeah. frameworks are released. Uh, when you use the term parameters, is that analogous to coefficients? Yes, exactly. It's yeah. almost you know it's a one to one. So a parameter uh, one parameter is a coefficient um, in, in that neural network. Yeah. And um, when you're talking about the training, what over what period of time are we talking about? So you you do uh, you know a, some input and you have a known output. And then you do some algebra essentially to compute coefficients. It's like an enormous yeah. simultaneous equation to get all these inputs and outputs to line yeah. up. Is it, is something yeah, like yeah that? exactly. I mean, so in, in these devices, so we're inference at the edge. So in the end, we train in the cloud. So, you know, prior to the release, we're running these on the cloud. We, you know, we can do these GPUs. And so it can take days and days of training and, you know, a week of training to get okay, okay. kind of the best production model. And I know you're going to going to anchor that. Yeah. Yeah. It's and fascinating. But then, then what happens is you get into the field like you, you think you've got the best network. Right. You got 50,000 utterances like, hey, this is pretty good. And then next thing you know, it false accepts. And then what, you know, the data advantage is if I can collect that those that feedback you can roll that back in and you can get better and better at your task. So it's not even a static thing, you know, with, with the right collection, you know, these systems learn and they get better over time. And so those, uh, you, you've got layer types there. Are those a standardized format of coefficients? Is it? Yeah. I mean, like convolutional is a, is a kind of a, it's, it's a well-known structure of, you know, machine learning layer. And it, it's like a convolution would be, um, you know, it's very similar like convolution that you would think of in, in just standard math. It's like a small filter that you're sliding all over, you know, some kind of features. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they're, they're efficient at the use of params because they get reuse. And it's, you know, it's very similar to the filtering of, of signal processing days. It's the framework, you know, the way that we you know, hammer the coefficients, which makes the difference these days. Okay. And uh, so it, when you do the training, you come up with a set of uh, parameters. 
uh, how transportable is that into a device? So uh, what I'm getting at is, uh, do you need to train with the device mocked up in its final form or is it relatively independent of that? Yeah, it's relatively independent. I mean, we model, uh, um, you know, some of the microphone uncertainties, you know, the transfer functions. You know, again, you would, um, you know, we model the, the way the feature extraction is going to work on silicon is modeled in the training. So we would take that all into account. And of course, you know, that's the, the real world is all about closing the loop between simulation and, and real world. So we'll, we'll train, 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 train. And then we have our audio labs here, you know, in Sentient. I mean, we have rooms that have a hats uh, simulator, head and torso simulator. Mm -hmm. So we'll anchor that and go back and say, you know what? We think this is the model. Is that correct? And we definitely learn a tremendous amount to loop that. So I'm, I'm obviously coming from the viewpoint of, let's say, a true wireless stereo earbuds with a microphone facing outwards. And uh, the performance of that microphone is generally fairly flat. But if you had some oddity and resonance in there, that would influence the uh, uh, the neural network's performance. Yeah, that's right. That's right. There, I mean, there are we, we model those things. You know, what is interesting about it is I'm trying to let, you know, someone say a wake word in all kinds of dialects, male, female, like high pitch, low, slower, and things like that. So they're surprisingly resilient to a lot of things. Like you're mm -hmm. training over kind of a, a wide range. So we would model that and say, hey, you know, your earbud is slightly tuned and it's not directional, right? We would say, you know what? Learn to understand the variation and be resilient to all of that. Uh, so someone, when someone's building a product, uh, how do they get to the set of parameters? You know, we basically, there's a couple of ways you can do that. So we, we uh, a lot of customers would say, hey, I, here, I want to do some earbuds and here's my wake word, right? We will just handle going and procuring all the data for that, you know, new wake word. So we have that, we'll go collect the data. We will take the, you know, the files, we'll clean them up, listen to them, have a whole team of people that will say, oh, no, this is good. This is bad and, you know, work that through. We pump that through our pipeline, and that's where we can you know, repeatedly rerun our structure with all our augmentations and get new inference for any word that you want. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, training is funny. I mean, it's, it's the unsung hero of, um, you know, finding the right data and not letting bad data into your network. Because if you if you tell it something that, I mean, it, it's not like it's smart and says, oh, no, that's not Alexa. That doesn't make sense. Like, I trust what you tell me. So, um, you know, we had some glass break data where, you know, you can order glass break and it turns out someone was breaking bottles, and not windows. So what you, what you learn is, hey, this network's going to be great at broken bottles and not not in glass. I suppose it depends on where you live, doesn't it? Yeah, right, right, right. So, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, bar, bar fight detector, I mean, someone broke a bottle, <laughs> but it's not as good for other things. Uh, what level of uh, technical capability do your customers need to have? You know, again, they, they, you know, in this particular case, they're asking for an outcome. Like, I just want this word to, to yeah. you know, be detected. So you think about this. I mean, you look on our interface here. We're just a spy peripheral. It's a very simple thing to drop into a platform and hide all the complexity in this neural network and say, hey, did, did someone say that command? Hey, yeah. get an interrupt. That's, that's it. I mean, that's what, you know, the Arduino and Raspberry Pi systems, there's millions of people that are dropping peripherals like this every day. Mm -hmm. Our, ours is pretty easy. We try and compartmentalize it. 
if you know what you're doing and you want, we're just as happy to open up the neural network and let you train your own, you know, words. And we have customers that, that you know, on both ends of the spectrum. Sure. Okay. So in that, in that, uh, in that sense, then, yes, if somebody's developing, you know, not a particularly high uh, technical skill, but they're developing a, a Bluetooth earbuds and they want to have this capability, you can pretty much drop the chip in. Yeah. Yeah, right, exactly. And then, you know, SDK, so there's, I mean, we have our software development kit that allows you to just integrate it into any kind of limited processing element. So okay. there's really not that much load and we have all the software, you know, that, that helps you drop this in. We have it for um, Android phones as well. So we've supported all those and even the PC platforms, you know, we have USB, we can, we can integrate through that as well. Mm. Use the term uh, deep neural network a few times. Is that a grandiose way of saying neural networks or is there, is there a technical <laughs> definition? Um, yeah, so deep, um, you know, the, the, the quick way to explain it is deep neural networks. And this is the power of neural networks is not just linear algebra, like big matrices, mm. but there's a nonlinear element to it. And I think that's 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 where traditional filtering and, and machine learning have kind of deferred is or differed is that you know these nonlinear elements let this thing learn some pretty interesting slicing functions, I'll say. Mm. And deep neural networks is just, you know, I'm gonna have 10 levels deep, 20 levels deep of these nonlinear choke points that allows it to learn things. And it's hard to describe, but I mean deep neural networks literally is just Let's just stack up a very deep pipeline of these layers, and it, you know the machine, the, the data is flowing through these things, and, and it's given its power. And I don't know if you, I mean the best analogy I can think of is like uh, when I go back to communications, and you have QPSK and 16 Qualm, and you know the stuff that that the people know that go over the air with uh, wireless communications. When you turn aside a bit, you slice it trying to find a boundary that says, hey, is this this bit zero or this bit a one? Mm-hmm. Machine learning is just doing that on a grandiose scale. So, you know, 50,000 words are going through. It's trying to find a boundary that all of those words that I want to recognize are on one side of a boundary. All the other words I don't want are on the other side. And it's a really complicated, you know, you know, we tried to project some of them in, you know, a 256 dimensional space of, of a boundary that one, words are on one side and the other words on the other that's yeah. really fascinating stuff okay uh next thing uh the uh speaker id identifying who's speaking uh that uh, sounds like it differs significantly from a wake word type of a process uh, is it on the architectural level much difference or uh, could you say something more about that yeah i mean again so speaker validation identification what you're doing is I mean, you can train these things to, to answer to anybody for a particular word. And then, you know, the speaker validation, you know, what after the fact, there's some characteristics now that you know that, that the word has been said. There's some characteristics that you can learn with only a couple words of enrollment. So you as a person, you know, have to enroll a couple, couple utterances over and over again. Mm. So we can separate the problem. Hey, the word was said. I don't know who said it, but, you know, it's time for speaker validation to check. Is it me that actually said that word? And so there are some of the features of the neural network that are available to help us, uh, you know, confirm, hey, oh, yeah, actually, it's the word has been said. So let's fire up the, the validation. And now, you know what? It, the characteristics of the enrollment match. 
So, you know, it's, it's again, it's something we can train, you know, the structure of that. And then, you know, we're not trying to just find that person to say the word. We're not training validation for looking for the word. We separate the problem. Right. Right. Uh, one small technical question uh, on the first device, the uh, NDP 100, is it? Yep. Um, it has a uh, you know, microphone input. Can that actually be paralleled from something else? Uh, so it, let's say you have Bluetooth uh, earbuds with a microphone. Can you parallel that uh, mic signal? Not exactly, right? Yeah, well, I mean, it, it, so it's pretty cool. So the way that this works in the 100 and the 120 even is, um, you know, the PDM digital mic interface is this you know, interface that you provide a clock and you're going to receive this data on a left-right channel. Mm. What we've done in a lot of platforms is we'll drive the clock when the whole thing is asleep, right? So let's mm -hmm. say we take a, a digital mic and we run it at 768 kilohertz. Mm -hmm. You know, we run low frequency. You know, we can still really get good quality audio for wake up. But when the system wakes up and let's say there's a, you know, high performance processor that wants to run a really good high quality voice call, we're just as happy to tri-state our control of the microphone and turn it over to somebody else to take over. And, th and that's the beauty of these digital mics. Like I can share that with no additional circuitry just by tri-stating our control. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm happy for you to ramp this thing to three megahertz, you know, lets you get 24 bit audio, high performance, you know, audio and, you know, suck that into your, your system. We can still passively, you know, listen to that. We're, we, we support yeah. up to four megahertz PDM. So if you're, if you're listening because you want high quality audio, I still with this device can listen and also pick up the audio if, if you want me to search for words. Excellent. So, you know, that's a pretty neat system. Yeah. And then in the 120, we definitely have some things like we can control dual microphones and, you know, we can turn one of them off. We can control the clocks. So, you know, it may be that I don't always need, you know, dual mic, you know, you know, beamforming and spatial separation, I may just need one mic because there's nothing, it's, it's quiet. I'm in a you know, library or whatever. So we, we can always take advantage of shutting down microphones for low power as well. And so that uh, the Cortex-M0 is, is a kind of a control interface for the host device? Yeah, I mean, that, that really is kind of a, it's an embedded device and it really is kind of running our protocols like mailbox. We have a couple of semaphores that allow you to very quickly communicate with our device. Mm -hmm. um, the M0 is just internally doing some of those functions. Right, right. Uh, but that's um, not know, available. Hopefully we try and keep... Right, it's not available for the customer to uh, put code on. Yeah, we try and keep... I mean, we keep this thing asleep as much as possible. It's just yeah. there to yeah. kind of handshake things. Very cool. Okay. That seems like uh, quite a bit of information on this uh, brand new NDP 120, and that's uh, this is excellent contact uh, content. Sorry, Dave. Um, exactly what our audience loves, and exactly what Simon loves to dig in on. So yeah, no, um, I appreciate it. Yeah, so I guess if uh, if we have any any more questions there, Simon, before we call it a day. Ah, oh, just say that when time's up, time's up, basically. <laughs> All right. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So again, this is stuff is all on our website. I mean, it, you know, we can definitely follow up with us directly. Um, yeah, and you guys uh, will learn something. I can pop. There's the website there. Everybody can see. 
uh, sentient.com and we'll put all the social medias and stuff in the comments below or in the description sorry anybody has any questions just hit it up i'm sure uh, sentient social marketing uh, team will be checking for questions and we'll forward them along as they come in yeah, yeah. and but um but yeah once again so everybody like subscribe and uh, do all that good uh, youtube stuff and you know thank you mr dave garrett thanks for joining us today we really appreciate it and as always simon thanks for calling in and uh, we'll see everybody next week thanks guys Okay, bye-bye. Yeah, thank you.